Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. Welcome back to Forum. Scott Schaefer here today. We're going to switch gears now and focus on the recent exodus of marquee Silicon Valley companies for Texas. Earlier this month, Hewlett Packard announced it was shifting its corporate headquarters from Silicon Valley to Texas. Then Tesla founder Elon Musk said he'd had it with California and was also heading to the Lone Star State. And then in last week, Oracle, which already had some of its operations in Austin, Texas, said it too was picking up its headquarters and leaving. So what's going on here? And how concerned should California be that perhaps we're killing the golden goose? Tech companies that have driven our economy for so many years are thinking of leaving. Joining me are Jim Wonderman. He is president and CEO of the Bay Area Council. They're a regional business-sponsored public policy group. Jim Wonderman, welcome. Uh, Thanks for having me on. Also with us, Molly Turner. She is a lecturer and expert on technology startups and cities. She's with the Haas School of Business at the University of California at Berkeley. Molly, good to have you as well. Good morning. And Mark Calvi is a senior reporter covering banking and finance for the San Francisco Business Times. Welcome to you as well. And Jim, let me begin with you. Uh, you, of course, are uh, focused on the business climate here in the Bay Area. Uh, what concerns you uh, most about these most recent announcements? Yeah, thanks, Scott. Uh, you know, we've been hearing about this for a while from our members and from folks in the business community who are really concerned about the business climate, which is a broad and complex topic. It includes issues around taxation, very high here in our state and in, in some cities, uh, regulations, heavy-handed, uh, hard to get things done. But it's also the cost of housing, the cost of living uh, that's placed on employees and and a number of other factors that when combined make this a, a more challenging place. I think over time that was sort of countered by, you know, this it's such a great place to be. Uh, and the talent of the America and the world really wanted to be here to be around the companies, you know, these incredible companies, most innovative companies, successful companies in the world who in turn want to be around the talent cluster and the incredible universities, Stanford and Berkeley and UCSF and others. So, it, you know, the, the cost of business, the, the this difficult business climate was in, in some ways countered by that, but then you know, in came the pandemic and to some degree as well, the wildfires. And it's acted like a steroid, had had a steroidal effect as we've gone to remote work. Uh, and folks no longer need to be here and companies aren't requiring it. So the game has really changed. And we were hearing about frustrations well before the pandemic for 
for months and years, but I think it's gotten very real lately. And Mark Calvi, who, you know, uh, you know, has been writing about this at first, we were, as Mark knows, we were somewhat critical. Why are you writing about this? It's, it's mostly anecdotes. It's not anecdotes anymore. You know, we've got major companies that have announced moves. They're serious companies. There's a lot that don't get covered in the press because they're not the biggest companies, but they count. But what really concerns me is what I hear in the background from, you know, folks in the consulting industry, accounting, bankers, lawyers, uh, real estate companies whose clients, multitudes of clients are approaching them and saying, how can we strategically plan for a possible or likely move either out of the Bay Area or to grow the rest of our work out of the Bay Area and that kind of thing? This is not a good trend for us. And I think we just have to get real that it is happening. Uh, it's not the story we'd like to tell. I'd love to tell a much better one. I think there is a much better one to tell. But as, until we address some of these underlying issues, I, I think you know, we're going to see this continue. And I think it's our job to, you know, find the way to come together and, and uh, you know, work in collaboration to turn the time. And Mark Calvi, uh, as Jim said, you've been covering these issues for a long time. Do you see the pandemic as a tipping point or is it just, uh, you know, the temperature has been kind of slowly rising on these CEOs and they've just, you know, for a number of reasons that Jim outlined, just decided, you know what, now's a good time. I think we are at a tipping point. Uh, we had seen a, a pickup in the exodus with the Trump tax overhaul that limited the deduction for state and local taxes to 10000 which doesn't go far in the Bay Area, but it really has accelerated in the pandemic. And it used to be like a Chuck Schwab, Charles Schwab would be uh, talking for years about possibly leaving, moving jobs out of town. Now we have companies like Oracle dropping the news in an SEC filing. So uh, it, it's kind of changed the playbook on how companies are leaving and the pressure on others that are still here to consider whether they should leave, too. What, what's the significance of it being announced in an SEC filing, if any? It, well, even the site selection consultants were commenting that you can move a headquarters with the drop of a press release. Now it's even more discreet than that. You've got to open up a filing to see the principal city is now Austin, Texas for Oracle instead of uh, here in the Bay Area. Uh, so the fact that it can happen so quickly and take everyone by surprise, especially those of us watching from the outside. Molly Turner, what do you think about all this? Uh, you and I talked a few days ago for a story I was working on about this, and you seem to suggest that there's maybe a silver lining here. Well, sure, maybe there's a silver lining, but I think first and foremost, I think this this exodus or tech exodus out of California and the Bay Area is a little bit overblown. For the first thing, a lot of the folks who are leaving are the extraordinarily wealthy executives of these companies who are leaving presumably for tax purposes based on the states they're moving to. However, their, their employees in the Bay Area and the offices in the Bay Area are staying. They're not moving those jobs. And let's not forget, the Bay Area still has the headquarters of some of the biggest companies in the world, Google, Apple, Facebook, Salesforce, Genentech, Airbnb, Twilio, are all still headquartered here, plan to stay here, Genentech is expanding in the Bay Area, as is Google. Most regions in the country would kill to just have one of those companies, let alone all of them. We also still have the world-class universities that are minting these entrepreneurs that start these big businesses. Those aren't going anywhere. I think there is going to be some real change with remote work. I think there's going to be a continued transition to more remote work, but that doesn't mean it's going to be five days a week. Folks might choose to work from home maybe two or three days a week. And that means our downtowns 
might not fully recover. And we're going to have to make some decisions about what to do with office space that may remain vacant. I think that could actually make the Bay Area more affordable and more accessible for more entrepreneurs who otherwise couldn't afford to move here or stay here to start their businesses. And I guess that's maybe the silver lining is that the Bay Area and the economic engine of Silicon Valley isn't going to leave. And perhaps there might be room for a more diverse set of entrepreneurs to participate in this economic engine. Well, and maybe even uh, as some of these commercial spaces open up, there could be room for some nonprofits, some arts groups, other kinds of organizations besides the big uh, corporations uh, who want to be downtown. I would certainly hope so. If office rents um, go down, which they haven't gone down significantly yet, but hopefully they will over the next couple of years, it might make it more affordable to the kinds of firms that have not been able to afford to stay here over the past decade of this boom. We're talking about California's and the Bay Area's business climate with uh, Jim Wonderman from the Bay Area Council, Mark Calvey from the San Francisco Business Times, and Molly Turner from the Haas School of Business at UC Berkeley. If you'd like to join us, give us a call at 866-733-6786. It's 866-733-6786. You can also get in touch on Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED Forum. Or if you like, you can email us. It's forum at kqed.org. Jim Wonderman, um, Businesses tend to complain about things like taxes and regulation, and certainly there are plenty of both in California. Uh, But what about housing? I mean, uh, I think one of the sort of silver linings perhaps is that if some of these jobs do go away, that the demand for housing may fall even just a little bit. Uh, And that might not be such a bad thing. That might make it more affordable for some of these companies, not to mention their employees. Well, first of all, in terms of complaining, you're right. You know, I, I think, you know, I've been running the Bay Area Council, which is a group of 350, you know, very you know, diverse companies from every sector, major companies and major leaders. And, you know, some of them do complain, but times have, you know, this is different now, Scott. I've never heard it like this before for the last year or two, even pre-pandemic and then, you know, much more. So, you know, sometimes you just have to listen and and understand that something is is happening. I think on the on the housing front, that is certainly an Achilles heel of the Bay Area and has been. And, you know, I, I, I know that back in the 1960s in in Detroit, when when Detroit started to hit a, a, a negative trend, there were folks there who said, well, this will be good. It'll take pressure off the you know, off the housing stock. It'll it'll open up some room for companies to come in, not the way it went for Detroit. And it's taking them generations to recover. So, you know, I'm I'm deeply concerned about the trends that we see on housing. There's a much better solution than uh, vacating uh, the region in the hope that other folks will be able to come in. And that is responsibly build housing for the people who want to live here at all income levels, something we have failed to do since around 1980. You know, we we built a lot of housing in in the Bay Area and in our state until around 1980. And then for a variety of reasons, we dropped off and we put laws into effect and created a culture that said housing is bad. You know, we don't want it in this community. We don't want density. We don't want people like that, you know, coming into our, our neighborhood. And so we stopped being responsible about uh, about building housing, which every uh, competitive region, you know, puts first and foremost. So we're way, way behind 
where we need to be. And that's put upward pressure on prices and force people out into the hinterland, in some cases out of the state who can't afford to be here. And, you know, I don't think that's the place we want to be or the, or the strategy we want to have about housing a population who of people who either are here, were born and raised and would like to stay or would like to come here and take advantage of the myriad benefits there are to living in one of the, you know, truly great iconic places in the world that's responsible for, you know, amazing innovation and invention and quality of life and diversity and all the things that, you know, make the Bay attractive in the first place. So, you know, we need to take our, uh, our, our housing policy seriously and stop just talking about it and start making it possible for housing to be built in the Bay Area. It's something we can do. We just haven't done. Mark Calvi, uh, California is disproportionately uh, reliant on income tax, especially from the highest 1% of the income earners, people like Elon Musk and Larry Ellison from Oracle. They are both among the most uh, wealthy people in the entire world. They're going to Texas. Uh, I think maybe Ellison also bought Lanai, I think, in Hawaii, uh, so he can live wherever he wants. But, um, you know, how concerned should we be that, uh, you know, a few really, really rich people don't want to pay income taxes? Or, you know, or is it really much a much bigger problem than that? Well, I think Elon Musk and Larry Ellison, they're grabbing the headlines because they are so wealthy and leaving California. But there are many, many more people, other taxpayers of, of more upper middle class that are paying hefty tax bills. And they also are leaving. And I think we have to be concerned that so much of our state depends on the, the very wealthy or, or the wealthy to pay to, to make ends meet and, and afford all the things that we appreciate California for. So I think we we've got to be concerned that people are, are voting with their feet and leaving California. Uh, on the other hand, uh, Molly, the uh, revenues of California are doing quite well because we do have such a progressive tax system. And when the market does well and there are IPOs, as we've, as we've seen with uh, Facebook and DoorDash, uh, the state makes a lot of money. So, um, you know, unlike Texas, for example, which doesn't have an income tax and, and they're struggling right now. So there, there is a trade-off. Yeah, absolutely. Well, income tax is progressive. It's extremely volatile and it leads to these boom and bust cycles for the state. I mean, in a time when we're facing going to be facing probably a huge economic crisis for several years, we have this unexpected windfall from all of the tech IPOs and the market doing so well. But, you know, I think it's, it's really a shame that in November, um, property tax reform didn't pass because that would have really helped California wean itself off this extremely volatile income tax and other sales taxes and such that are more regressive and, and have a more stable uh, tax base. Um, and so, you know, I hope that in the future, we'll, the state will, will be able to reconsider um, property taxes, which I think could make our, our uh, state budgeting process a little smoother for years to come. Although, Jim Wonderman, I think that is something that business really was very much opposed to, right? They would have seen it as just increasing the cost of business even further. Well, look, once again, it's a tax uh, aimed at business and a message to business that, you know, we, you know, we don't value you, which is really part of the underlying issue that we have is that business leaders don't feel like uh, the the political leadership cares that they stay or cares that, that, that they're here. And, you know, it, it actually 
business requires a competitive advantage to be successful. So if you keep throwing taxes and uh, throwing new costs at business, you know, one of the things that will happen is they'll find other places to be because those costs that get placed on a landlord get moved down to tenants who then have to pay, pay higher lease payments. I think our membership would be way in favor of a reform of Proposition 13 if it affected everyone. If we're going to uh, find a new way, and I think we should, because uh, I agree with Molly, having a, 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 a fiscal system that's based you know, on assured volatility is not a really good way to run the government. So to come back with something that's a much more secure system based on property tax would make sense, but it's got to affect everyone. We all have to be in this together. We can't just throw uh, our problem on the extreme wealthy or on business. And, you know, I'm all for taxes as long as the other guy's paying them. I think as long as we keep coming it with that mentality, uh, you know, first of all, I think the voters you know, made a sensible choice in uh, in rejecting Proposition 15. But I think as a community, we really do need to come together around uh, this tax structure of California and think long term about, you know, what makes sense to, uh, you know, how, how to run this government, how to provide enough revenues, uh, you know, for the state. But, you know, also in the current cycle, even though the state is doing really well because they're dependent on a, a source of money that happens to be coming in high from the high markets, local governments, cities especially, but counties as well, are really, really hurt. And so, you know, I've proposed an economic recovery bond for the state, uh, borrow, you know, rather than raise taxes, which a number of legislators have proposed, again, which is scaring off more business and which Mark has written about frequently, you know, let, you know let's borrow money in California at the lowest rates on record uh, for the next few years and not only help the state uh, get through, but help local governments and schools get through this period of time. And then, uh, you know, and then, you know, maybe you'll give us a little bit of a window of time to start actually think of thinking about uh, fiscal restructure. Uh, we, we cheer the federal government when it borrows. We want more stimulus. We want to get more money in. And our, our business members are borrowing because, it, again, you know, it's it's almost free money. But this, when, when the state talks about borrowing, everyone says, oh, oh, no, how can we borrow a terrible thing? Yeah. All right. We're going to go to the phones and uh, would love to hear from you. What are your questions about companies leaving the Bay Area? What concerns do you have about the region's economy and business climate? Give us a call at 866-733-6786. And let's start in Santa Rosa. Nick, you're first. Welcome. Uh, hi. Thank you. Uh, I just wanted to say that I'm a uh, UC Berkeley student. I'm going to be graduating with an electrical engineering and computer science degree in 2021. And uh, we, my wife and I plan on moving out of state after I graduate just because it's, it's completely unaffordable to live here. Uh, my mother-in-law and father-in-law uh, offered offered us a free acre of land to build on. And just in the fees, uh, before you get any materials uh, or any labor done, just the fees are about fifty to $60,000 out here in Sonoma County. And if I go to Texas, you know, I can, I can put a 25% down payment on a mansion for that. You know, so <laughs> yeah. I just don't... Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It. It's a, yeah, it's a, and Mark Calvi, uh, as we come up to a break here, uh, for retirees or people on fixed incomes, I mean, California really is through the roof. It's a different question, but it's related, isn't it? 
It, it very much is related. And this is the math that a lot of people are doing. And, and I'm assuming our UC Berkeley students, not Elon Musk. This is These are the people that are looking at their lives and making f- smart financial decisions based on the competition between a California t- and California and Texas. So we're hearing a lot of these type of conversations in the community. All right. Mark Calvi, senior reporter with the San Francisco Business Times. I'm going to let you go. Thank you so much for joining us. Jim Wonderman, Molly Turner are still here, and we would love to hear from you. It's 866-733-6786, or you can get uh, through to us on Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED Forum. Stay with us. Lots more to talk about. We're discussing California's business climate. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. And we continue our conversation now about uh, California and the Bay Area's business climates on the heels of Oracle, HP, and Elon Musk saying goodbye to California, in part at least. Uh, I'm talking with Molly Turner. She's a lecturer and expert on technology startups and cities at the Haas School of Business at UC Berkeley. Also, Jim Wonderman, president and CEO of the Bay Area Council. And joining us now is Catherine Bracey. She's executive director and founder of Tech Equity Collaborative. It's an advocacy organization made up of tech companies and workers. Catherine, welcome to you. Let me put a question to you first. Uh, You know, so many people uh, are blaming tech uh, have been for a while now for things like traffic congestion, the high cost of housing, gentrification. Uh, How fair uh, is all the sort of hostility that's directed uh, at the tech industry, some of the tech companies in particular? Um, Well, certainly, you know, tech didn't cause the the problems, the underlying structural problems in our economy that make it so that when a sector booms, um, you know, it drives inequality rather than broad-based growth and opportunity. and it just happens to be the sector that kind of started growing really fast in, in the in the state when chickens started coming home to roost for, you know, the decades of um, bad policy decisions we'd been making, including uh, Prop 13 and, um, you know, our lack of uh, developing affordable housing and investing in, in public transportation and um, you know, if it had been any sector that was booming at the same time, it would have created the same challenges. So I think it's it's slightly unfair uh, on that level. I do think, though, that um, tech can be better about engaging in um, developing solutions. And that has started to change a lot recently. I would say that the companies who are leaving have, by and large, been companies that just don't see these problems as their problems, and they'd rather, you know, uh, run geographic arbitrage than actually engage engage in, you know, solution finding. But there are many companies, and Molly named some of them earlier, that are staying and have committed. And I think it's important to also look at, you know, how those companies have been investing in in the Bay Area and California, um, including Facebook, who everybody likes to beat up on, including myself in the past. Um, You know, they've made huge investments in affordable housing, but they've also kept their, um, you know, lower wage service workers um, paid during the uh, shutdown 
as they were, you know, the campuses were closed, they continued to pay janitors and cafeteria workers and shuttle drivers and, um, and security officers and even gave them their uh, agreed upon raises during the year. So I think that those kinds of things are important. Um, I think looking at the commitments that CEOs, um, like the CEO of Twilio has made, like the CEO of Airbnb has made, um, to staying in California are also things that we should focus on. Well, and Jim Wonderman, uh, there is always a lot of criticism of big companies, but they also contribute to civic life in ways that aren't always uh, highlighted or appreciated. I'm thinking of, for example, uh, Chan Zuckerberg, their name is on the uh, SF General, the new SF General. And now you've got the board of some of the board of supervisors wanting to take their name off of it uh, because they don't like uh, some of the policies at Facebook. That has to also uh, rub some CEOs the wrong way. Yeah, you know, I, I think because we we're a decade into a strong recovery, or at least were until the pandemic, we've become complacent about the value of a strong economy because we had almost full employment. And I would say folks at every level of the economy did better, although it did create uh, you know inequities and with that with housing not being built created pressures on folks uh, at lower incomes there's no question about that and those are issues that need to get resolved and uh, you know many many companies and we've named some and there are many many more that i'm aware of have been involved in this one way or another i think the commitment to uh dealing with issues around poverty around homelessness around affordable housing is i don't think there's any region in the country where businesses come together uh, in, in stronger ways to address the issue to to put up funds uh, to underwrite subsidized housing and those kinds of things. Now, it's, you know, much more needs to be done, but the solution to this isn't to, you know, to neglect these folks who basically, uh, you know, the, the, the greatest thing you can really do, I, I think, in society is employ a large number of people. And by creating that kind of economy, you know, much more folks get employed. The, uh, the multiplier effect uh, for a for a highly paid tech worker, based on multiple studies, including uh, one from Enrico Moretti at Berkeley, is about four and a half. So every time a, a, a position is created, four and a half positions uh, are actually created. And when a position is removed, we lose four and a half jobs in total, not just that one job. And I think we have to realize that if you if if you start to destabilize the economy, the people who will get injured the most are the lower income workers, because frankly, uh, just like our friend up in Santa Rosa, who, who might move out of the state, you know, folks who you know, who are accomplished, who have, you know, who are highly degreed and, and well placed in the innovation economy, you know, they, they'll either be remote workers or they'll go somewhere they can get a job. It's the folks who get left behind in the service industries uh, who are doing pretty well on the whole with some challenges that get hurt the most. And I think that's getting lost in the in the mix here. And I hope we don't have to find out the hard way what it's like uh, as we enter into a recession that may be hard to exit from. But I've been around long enough and through these things where, you know, it can seem pretty dismal. And uh, I don't want to see that. I think we need to turn this around now. And as as uh, as Catherine said, we should be standing behind those CEOs who are making a commitment to the Bay Area and saying, I'm going to work to make it better. Uh, we're here for the long haul. I, you know, we should absolutely celebrate that. And we should be talking to folks who could be on the bubble and saying, look, look at the advantages of staying. And we're all going to work collectively on some of the issues that concern you. You know, what is it that you need in order to make a commitment to this place that makes yeah. your business successful, makes you feel about good about being in the Bay Area and in California? 
All right, let's read some listener comments now. Darian writes, as far as Elon Musk, I say good riddance. His brand of narcissistic capitalism will not survive in the long term, and he will be proven to be the carpetbagger he truly is. Kyler writes, I have no issue with large tech companies leaving. Small startups can operate in the Bay Area, and then when they're big enough, they can move elsewhere. We are out of affordable housing. No one wants to to, uh, demolish our green space to achieve never-ending growth. I'm a software engineer and actually from the greater Bay Area. And then Tom writes, Moving out of California is nothing new. I remember in the late 80s and 90s hearing companies moving to places like Colorado Springs, Des Moines, or Little Rock. What would happen is the scientists, engineers, and product managers were gone in a year or two. People used uh, to Silicon Valley discovered that job opportunities weren't there and the cities weren't cosmopolitan. They headed back to the Bay Area. All right, let's go to the phones now. And I believe Gus in Benicia has been waiting, but perhaps it's Judy. Judy in San Francisco, I think you're next. Hi. Um, I just want to say that I think it's great that um, a lot of the uh, tech companies and other companies will be leaving here. I um, I know that it, they've created an economic boom for some people, but they've also created an issue that has swept hundreds of thousands of people out of San Francisco and the Bay Area and made life really difficult and stressful and have also really changed the culture here. And those that started the tech companies back in the day, they were afforded a much different culture, a much different um, cost of living to that uh, has pretty much been ruined by the tech industry. And I just hope that wherever they go, and including the ones that stay here, They'll work a lot harder on planning so that the people who are actually from the places that they move into don't get swept out and get um, stressed out and, you know, lose their way of life. Um, yeah. and I'm, I'm actually celebrating the fact that they're finally thinking of leaving. Yeah. Molly Turner, uh, what do you think of that notion? Sorry. Sorry, Scott. It's Catherine. I, I really need to strongly disagree with that sentiment. Sure. I think go for it's it. really misguided to say that um, tech is the cause of the problem and that the solution is just to have these companies and tech workers move out of the state. Because um, when you when you look at the problem that way, you're gonna come up with a set of solutions that doesn't actually get at what's really wrong. Economy again, we're gonna be right back in the place we were 10 years ago um, and, and probably even worse. So, you know, if we don't, if we say, oh, all we need to do is get rid of these jobs and these workers and these companies, um, and not invest in affordable housing in the meantime, not invest in, in public transportation infrastructure, not invest in, um, you know, public education, then when the economy comes back, the people who have been underinvested in the communities that have been underinvested in for decades are going to suffer again. So I just I, I really take issue with that point of view, not because I'm defensive or, you know, want to protect tech companies. I, I call them on the carpet a lot, but because we really miss uh, risk misdiagnosing the problem, and it's going to harm people, as Jim said, who can least afford the additional harm right now. All right. Some other comments. Alex writes, it's not just tech companies that are finding the environment in Silicon Valley and the Bay Area difficult for business. Let's talk about all the retailers and restaurants and other businesses that rely on minimum wage workers. Instead of increasing the housing inventory, government keeps increasing the minimum wage, which has a very negative effect on businesses and on long-term growth in California. And then Bruce writes, it's no surprise that successful capitalists who employ thousands are leaving this socialist state. 
Although, Molly, this social estate, as you said, minted an awful lot of billionaires in spite yeah, of the policies. <laughs> you know, California's had the highest income taxes in the country for a long time, has had quote-unquote onerous business regulations for a long time, particularly the Bay Area. That has not prevented businesses from moving here and starting here, and I don't think it will prevent it over the long run. I mean, just look at San Francisco a couple years ago passed Prop C, the big homelessness tax. Uh, the city economist predicted that tax, which was targeted really at a bunch of tech businesses, um, he predicted that it would only reduce employment growth by 0.1% or a few hundred jobs a year. And in fact, we've seen that, you know, the tech industry has continued to boom in San Francisco since then. So I'm not really concerned about California and uh, the Bay Area being a bad environment for business, but I want to wholeheartedly agree with what Catherine just said. These structural issues in this state are really the problem, and they have been building for decades. Our housing supply has not kept up with the job growth. And it took decades to get into our housing affordability crisis, and it is going to take decades to get out of it. And well, without more federal stimulus to support the construction of affordable housing, without more federal stimulus to bail out our public transit agencies, we are going to be facing a crisis for a very long time. And that housing and transportation are going to be the two things that limit our economic growth in this state. Absolutely. And everybody wants more housing, but uh, sort of like with taxes, uh, they don't want housing near them. You know, they uh, there's been a lot of resistance to increasing density. Scott Wiener, the state senator from San Francisco, authored SB 50, which would have uh, made it easier to build more dense housing around transit corridors. And it met a lot of resistance, especially from some of the legislators down south uh, in uh, Los Angeles. So easier said than done. Let's go back to the phones. And Becca in Berkeley, you're next. Yes. Hi. Good morning. Thanks for taking my call. I'd be sure. really curious to hear your your panel there. Um, you know, I'd like to hear your lens, you know, based on what um, what happened with AB5 at the beginning of the year and how many, you know, 400 plus professions, a million to four million independent contractors, small businesses that were affected by that. They mm. could have been working from home doing COVID. Um, but many of the com companies they were working for started hiring out of state and they lost all their work. Some of them mm. I know personally, some people who are actually in danger of losing their homes, being in encampments. You know, I think that unless there's Medicare for all or something like that, people mm. need to have freedom to work in the state. It's so expensive yeah. here to do that. And, you know, now that Prop 22 has passed and exempted like the big businesses that AB5 was purported to be, um, affecting those people. It's actually all the creatives, the disabled workers, the elders, you know, uh, people with special needs kids that are actually losing their safety net. It's scary. So I'm curious what people feel on the panel about that. <laughs> yeah, Becca, some great questions, and a lot of them there packed into, the, uh, into, that, uh, into that comment there. Uh, you mentioned AB5. That was the legislation signed by Governor Newsom that uh, had to do with which companies could uh, have independent contractors versus employees. It was largely thought to be targeted at Uber, Lyft, DoorDash. They're the ones that put Prop 22 on the ballot, which uh, passed and sort of exempted them from that labor law. But, uh, you know, Jim Wonderman, what about that? You know, laws like that where you're targeting, you know, growing companies that are part of the so-called innovation economy, but, you know, we're also 
people are concerned about the, the welfare of workers and the quality of benefits and unemployment insurance, that kind of thing. Well, well thanks. And, I, you know, I, I agree with the gist of the caller, I think, um, if I understand her correctly. So, you know, 2020 will be remembered as a year of the pandemic, but it's, you know, we're also in a time, it's, it's a period in which the nature of work is changing. Uh, for better or worse, digital technology is enabling people to work in ways that they couldn't work before. And I think that the you know younger folks in particular don't necessarily want to be pinned down to a job in which they're in in which they're punching the clock and having to respond to a boss when they would rather work more on their own schedule and figure out how to get you know some of the benefits that go along historically with with benefits that since world war ii were increasingly provided by employers and so i think ab5 was seen not just by uber and lyft and the companies who you know were directly targeted by the legislature who said you know you're doing bad business because you're you're somehow treating these workers unfairly even though most of the workers wanted to be you know they were happy to be able to do that particular job uh that that it's a uh, but it fairness, was a you know, signal they were not, to they were not in uh, business that the legislature could really kind of go after you if they don't like the way you do what you do and i think it has had a chilling effect on the business climate it's just another factor that you know if the legislature doesn't like you they'll go after you so i think we need to really take a look at you know these bigger issues how people want to work in the future how we provide benefits as a society that we want people to have that are fair and equitable um you know i think there are common goals we can all work on without having to make believe that you know we're in a previous industrial yeah. revolution as opposed to the, the one that we're actually in yeah, many, of course, felt also, though, that uh, these companies were not paying into unemployment insurance, and uh, that really came home during the pandemic when a lot of folks uh, were unable to get uh, benefits from uh, from the state uh, unemployment, uh, the EDD. Let's go back to the phones, uh, see if we can get one more caller in. Dell in Oakland, you're up. Hi. Good morning. Um, I'm fourth-generation Bay Area. My great-grandfather worked out here. We have always experienced flux of uh, incomes. Um, but the bottom line is California has always been a place that people want to come to. Um, there is something about this place that's golden. And I think you guys kind of are not talking about that. Yeah. People are going to come and go. There's a reason why companies and corporations come here because they could take advantage of the climate here, which is very open-minded, which is very eclectic, um, which is full of new ideas. And this is something that's never going to go away from the Bay. Yeah. People Del, are going to come and go. I'm sorry. Know, but yeah. I'm sorry to interrupt. I'm, I'm so sorry to jump in. We just were really short on time. And I, I, I think you're making a great point. And I wanted to see if I could get somebody, maybe Catherine Bracey, to respond to that. I mean, there are a lot of reasons that companies want to be here uh, in, spite yeah. of, uh, in spite of some of the regulations and the taxes. I mean, it's a pretty, pretty great place to work and to incubate a business. Yeah, and I totally agree. I think that um, California should, can and should be a place where everybody who wants to live here can be here and take advantage of um, the growth and opportunities that the state presents. Um, and I and I think we're going to see that happen again. I think we're you know as the economy recovers, people will come back, companies will grow here, and the economy will boom again. The question is, what kind of resiliency are we going to build into the economy so that everybody can enjoy that growth? when the economy starts to grow again. I would just point out that, you know, Texas, where all these companies are going, um, has the, some of the highest effective property tax rates in the country. So 
Um, gotta pay the Cal- bill somehow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You gotta you gotta pay for these services okay. somewhere. All right. Um, gotta let. I'm so. sorry. We're gonna have to stop it right there. We're uh, you hear the music? That means we're out of time. Catherine Bracy from Tech Equity Collaborative. Thank you so much for joining us, as well. Molly Turner from the Haas School of Business at UC Berkeley, and Jim Wonderman, President and CEO of the Bay Area Council. Thank you all so much for joining us. This is a topic, no doubt, we will continue talking about into 2020. I'm Scott Schaefer here today for Michael Krasny. Thanks so much for listening. Funds for the production of Forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio and the Germanicos Foundation and the Generosity Foundation. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.